one well to the In the Money Players podcast. This is our show for February 22nd. Dropping this one on a Thursday as I'm flying out to Santa Anita this weekend. Going to talk a little Santa Anita later in the show with Frank Scatoni, but keeping it uh, in in the theme of uh, frequent Italian-American guests, we're going to kick things off with a look at the Rebel Stakes. You can find our video about the Rebel Stakes up on YouTube that JK and I did earlier in the week, but we're going to talk about it now with Nick Tamaro. Nick, what's going on? I'm doing great, my friend. Ready to uh, talk a little weekend racing and... I see you going again to warm weather climates. You're really figuring this out pretty nicely now that you eventually will just get you to a warm weather climate for the whole winter. (laughs) Well, that would be, that's sort of the dream is, you know, San Diego for the winter. I'd love to be able to pull that off my, my version of a, of a snowbird routine. Uh, Let's see. It didn't work so well last weekend at Tampa. And then when I looked at the original forecast for this weekend, in LA, I thought I might have snookered myself again and lived up to my being the weather jinx that JK sometimes accuses me of being. But it does look like it's come correct, at least for Friday and Saturday, the days I'm planning to be at the track. So hopefully get a chance to see some folks out there. I, I think there's a rumor I'm being considered for the TQ show on Saturday on the simulcast beat at, at Santa. That would be fun. And it's a really cool weekend of racing. We're not going to really talk any Saudi Cup stuff. On this show, we were going to actually do the big race, but the PPs aren't out yet. They will be out. I think DRF and Timeform are going to have versions of it. It's definitely worth taking a look at. We've got that covered on the In the Money Plus side. But yeah, West Coast time, I think the action starts at about 5 o'clock on the morning on Saturday and, and continues right on through. So it's going to be interesting uh, day racing for sure. Where will most of your attention be, be focused uh, on Saturday? Yeah, I mean my standards. I'm a I'm a West Coast East Coast guy in the sum in the winter. So Gulfstream, Santa Anita, and Aqueduct, in addition, of course, to the Sam Houston Live Card, is kind of my my focus. Um, looking forward to the Saudi Cup. Luckily, it doesn't start quite as early here. But speaking of those races and being in the Western Time Zone, I went through about a two or three year stretch where I was in Vegas on Dubai World Cup Day and vividly remember some 4 o'clock, 4.30 wake-up calls to, to get up in time for the uh, the Alcaz Sprint or the Godolphin Mile, whatever kicked off the card. And I want to say want to say 11 and 12, I was there, 11, 12, and 13, something like that. One of the days it ended up actually being, well, it's frequently Louisiana Derby Day as well. And um, and so we were in the, in the sports book literally from like – open to close almost. Um, it was great back in, in the day at the, at what was then known as the Las Vegas Hilton and is now the Westgate. Um, so yeah, very, very good memories of that. This, you know, you, you mentioned it, the Saudi Cup looks like it's going to be a really fun race. We'll see a little bit more of it when we get PPs out. Um, but yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting to keep an eye on. And then of course that leads you into, into the domestic action. It's going to be great. 820 Eastern is the Saudi Derby. So that's definitely worth watching uh, forever young the big favorite in there 1240 so that's civilized time even on the west coast 1240 p.m for the saudi cup um folks interested check out in the money plus this weekend uh, it, this is going to be one of many loaded weekends in a row with extra in the money plus stuff where we're going to have michael adolfson on the saudi card clay sanders on the oaklawn card but we are going to talk about the rebel stakes during your appearance today before we 
turn things over to Frank Scatoni and look at, I think I'm going to do a little double header. We'll look at Friday and Saturday of Santa Anita. Since I'm going to be there both days, it'll just for my own selfish reasons, it'll help me to talk through those races a little bit with Frank. But what of this Rebel Stakes? Um, he, the, the, we posed the question about this race on YouTube um, to Timberlake or not to Timberlake as the key question. The, the field gets a, get, gets a little hungry, a little fast, maybe an interesting long shot or two, but where do you stand with Timberlake first and foremost? I mean, I think, you know, other than people who can get very creative, I think we're all kind of bringing sexy back in this one, right? This is <laughs> like, uh, this looks like he's going to be way too much for them. And, you know, we, you and I alluded to this the other day in the recap of last week and looking at this race because they drew it far enough out. Um, in that, you know, we had some doubts based on, I talked about Sean Borman's kind of distaste for Timberlake coming into the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. And, and I mean, it's important always to keep in context the horses that a given horse is running against. So there's some concern at times about, well, you know, he's facing this one or he's facing that one. And, you know, in this case, he's not really facing this one or that one. He's facing a, a pretty tremendously weak group of horses uh, for the most part. I mean, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to sort of dump all over all of them. Just Steel is a nice horse. He's run a hundred times already, and he'll probably run a hundred more before all is said and done. You know, this was a horse who broke his maiden at third career asking on Whitney Day and um, and continued to perform well for the most part later in the year. And it seems like he's carried that over to 2024. He's, he's a, you know, a worthy adversary of Timberlakes and looks like a horse that uh, may have maybe, maybe took a little bit of the worst of it from a a track and, and race flow perspective last out. Uh, it was a race that came apart pretty nicely pace wise and he stayed on gamely. But, you know, if we get the Timberlake that we saw in New York and in California, even with his Breeders' Cup being a little underwhelming, he's going to be way too much for them, Pete. And it's going to take something like a, a big rebound or big move forward by a horse like Carbone to maybe level the playing field. But that just seems, even as I say it, it seems a little far-fetched. What's hard about Carbone, Carbone has a profile that I really like in terms of was really bet heavily last time in a in a race that was probably at least the equal of this, if not the superior, and just kind of all went wrong. You you mentioned the flow of that race. Just Steel was the only speed that hung around. The other the other horses that were up there early were nowhere. And it can just pay to be forgiving of an effort like that. The problem is, I don't know what kind of trip he's going to get. Down there at the inside, I assume they'll send, but there's loads of other speed, and it, it, it's going to be tricky. I will say this. If he's a big price, if he's 8-1 to one or higher, I'll mess around with him at least a little bit with the thought that, you know, I mean, as much as anything else, all the market signal on him in his previous races, I, I like to see a horse that's been bet so heavily and then going off at, a, you know, a multiple of those previous prices. The horse has flashed a little bit of talent, but yeah, outside of those three, I, I have trouble making a case. Let's talk about some of the others though, just for, uh, just to get your take on them. A runner like Northern Flame. I, I mean, I was surprised to see the morning line as short as five to one on this one, just because looking at pace figures, going to get no kind of trip like the trip that uh, he had the last day. Do, do you think he could potentially step up? I, I agree about the morning line. I mean, I did not see him being that short. Um, definitely not from a speed figure perspective. Um, he doesn't look like he really stacks up at all. Um, I've also, Kenny McPeak has been one of the guys that I've generally tried to be careful with when it comes to Lasix off situations. Just three for his last 27, a buck 12 ROI. 
And uh, the horses that he's had run well in that scenario have generally not held their form. So, of course, that doesn't really influence what you're supposed to do here. But um, I think that that allowance race where he beat Mena by a neck um, was probably a, you know, a good to slightly below average type of allowance race from a speed figure perspective. He ran a race that, you know, what this boils down to, Pete, when you're looking at the whole picture, is that from a pace figure perspective, he wired that field basically. And, and the pace figures that he earned are nothing compared to the pace figures that Timberlake earned multiple times as a two-year-old. Yeah. So, you know, if we're banking on any kind of step forward, then this horse is going to be awfully tough to handle. But again, we're talking about the other options. So I could see it. I could probably see maybe a horse like uh, like Common Defense, who I know was uh, Lasix off last time. Maybe now that he's gone without it, you can figure that he's going to get that that sort of Brian Hernandez coveted inside trip. And they'll probably just glue him to the rail and try and get around there. He did improve at second asking, didn't really take the step forward that we would have liked to last time out, but um, also didn't, you know, maybe didn't get the best of it from a uh, the, the racetrack perspective. So he did, he was a little outside at times, but um, yeah, I, I just, you know, the problem is you, you're looking through this field and you're kind of grasping at straws for, for other options. The horse that surprised me in terms of being in here, and I wonder if maybe the outside post will, will prompt them to scratch his time for truth because he was a very impressive debut winner, came back and went off the favorite in the Ozark and is now going to come back in two weeks stretching out in distance. And this kind of smells like a bad example of, of people rushing a horse into the Derby trail. Derby um, he's probably a horse. Yeah. It's, it's just a little too much Derby fever for me. He might be a horse that actually has a chance to be decent down the line, but you know, they're just going to, they're going to pummel him by running him this frequently and now drawing the outside post in a race packed with speed. I mean, it feels like it feels, he's 15 to one on the morning line. There's absolutely no way he's three times the price of Northern flame, but he seems like a big price when you consider all that he's up against. Time for Truth would be a key scratch if they think the better of this in terms of, I, I think that would set it up even better for Timberlake to be able to boss the field. I'm not really worried about Time for Truth messing too badly with Timberlake. I, I, I think, I'm guessing Timberlake will end up letting that one go and, and tracking. But if that horse comes out, it just makes that job a little bit more easily. Speaking of grasping at straws, Dematic is a horse I think is worth at least discussing as a potential Best closer in this spot, progressive type, uh, had a nice little setup last time in the slot. But, you know, if you were asking me for horses, I wouldn't be shocked to see them run huge and or maybe even win the race. I'd put Dematic on the list of probable horses to probably not going to use on my tickets. But if I was looking at the ones most likely to beat me, Dematic might be on that list. How do you rate his chance? Um, yeah, not without chance. I actually think both of the longer priced Asmussen horses um, have a little bit of a look to them. And here, I actually think Lagunos is, is not the craziest either. I know he won an off the turf race to break his maiden towards the end of the Churchill meet, but um, I, I do think they, they kind of went about it the wrong way last time out in the Smarty Jones by putting him on the lead. And I, I think the pace worked against him. Um, I, you know, I think that the, the thought process clearly for the connections was let's just go and see if we can can try and set the pace and go on with it. And you kind of saw a, a reversion in tactics on Mystic Dan to come back and win the Southwest in that he ended up taking back and, and made one run in the, in the Southwest, of course, granted up a gold rail that I think really exaggerated the strength of his performance. But I think a similar situation is kind of in play with Lagunos and that he's going to be taken a little bit off of it, which is probably where he's most comfortable. 
And um, Keith Asmussen is, is actually proving himself to be quite a competent rider at this meet. And uh, I, I think he's a little bit more comfortable when he's coming from off the pace as well. So he felt like a 20 to one shot that, you know, if you wanted to fool around under Timberlake, you know, he's one that I think I could make a bit of a case for as well. Both he and Dymatic, I, I agree with you. It's it's, a, it's another Lasix off situation that's generally not been a big problem for Asmussen. Um, but, and, and Dymatic does feel like a horse who might might just be capable of taking another step forward. That's a longer conversation we'll have. Sounds like you've been doing some research on the LASIK soft thing, and we'll have to find a smart way to share that with listeners or plus people at some point. I'm glad you mentioned Loganos. That was the last question I had for you for, for this segment. I was going to ask you if you thought he might have a little bit of a live long shot. Look, I know he's one JK was a bit interested in. If our Rebel video had gone longer, uh, we decided to keep that one super tight just experimenting on YouTube with different lengths of content, trying to see what the audience responds to, et cetera. So we didn't end up putting him in, but I know that was a horse that he liked as well. Nick, we've got uh, Frank waiting in the green room, so we'll leave it here for now, but uh, looking forward to having you back on very soon. I look forward to it myself, my friend. Have a great trip and I'll talk to you soon. Next up on the show, we welcome in as promised, our man coming to us uh, from Southern California, Dean Kepler covers Santa Anita for us on a daily basis over at InTheMoneyPodcast.com. But uh, the other one of my favorite people that I always want to read when it comes to these SoCal races, and you can do that over at SantaAnita.com or at FrankScatoni.com is the aforementioned Frank Scatoni. Frank, how are you doing? I'm doing okay, Pete. Thanks for having me on. Let's look at Friday uh, first, and we'll breeze through these, and some people probably won't be listening until these races are over. And for this, we'll just do the four races that I know you've looked at for your your pick four column, starting off with race number six, basically six o'clock Eastern, the scheduled post time for this one. These three-year-old maidens going a mile on the dirt. There's a big favorite here in the form of EJ won the cup. Are you with or against this one? Yeah, I think this is one of those situations where you either single the horse and move on or you just uh, try to beat the horse entirely with a couple of fuzzies. Uh, Unfortunately, uh, I I wasn't feeling as brave as the uh, latter part of that comment uh, simply because, you know, this (laughs) I mean, if this this horse should win the race, uh, you know, definitely the fastest horse in the race has won run races good enough to beat uh, straight maidens. You know, this is one of those weird maiden optional claimers that we started running out here a few years ago. So uh, be sure to read the conditions. There's a lot of crazy stipulations. Uh, you know, one of them is that, you know, uh, uh, RNA or sold at auction for 150K or less. So, uh, you know, EJ won the cup, cost 95000 Like I said, ran some good races against Maiden Specials. Two concerns, though. The horse has never been around two turns, so that could be a little bit of a problem. And, you know, even though none of the other horses have speed on paper, there is a first-time starter in here trained by Luis Mendez with Maldonado up who could make life very difficult for EJ won the Cup. Mendez trains for speed. He wins a lot of first-time, uh, a lot of debut races, but with sprint horses. I don't think that horse could win. Number six win it, wins it well. But that could horse that horse could make life extremely diff- difficult for EJ won the cup. And if that's the case, then it's really anyone's game. I know De Medici could come around and suck up uh, for a win. Daddy Justify could suck up for a win. Uh, maybe even one of the Ganbat horses could win. So uh, I'm just going to stick with the three, say a little, you know, prayer and move on to the next <laughs> leg. Hope I get out alive. Pretty funny. Yeah. I mean, 
looks like a short price winner fastest figures presumptive pace edge even if they want a quarter horse with the six i mean i i don't think ej under mike smith will be unable to to sit off i was just going to take the single and move on approach in race number six which uh, moves us along to race number seven where we've got a thirty thousand dollar claiming event for uh, older horses going six furlongs on the turf on a field of nine going postward a couple of horses i was going to key around in here and not not really uh, doing anything too creative uh, very logicals but i do think maybe we could beat the 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 presumptive favorite number 7 with the 8 tigerone or tigerhon uh this horse was bad last time when asked for more speed early but uh, i thought would be able to just sit in this race in a good attacking position under Dottori, has those big races to run back to. I felt like there was an obvious enough excuse for the last run that I wasn't going to sweat it too much. Gypsy King, the favorite, uh, just very logical off the big drop. Uh, projected trip should be favorable. Um, but just not like this horse has some huge figure edge, so I wasn't looking to, to single or go uh, too skinny in this, uh, in this spot here in, uh, in race number seven. If I were to use one more, it might be just as a very deep backup. Number five, the Bullion Bomber looked like one who might be able to potentially shake loose on the front end, being drawn inside of Gypsy King. I think those two probably keep each other honest. Another one of the reasons why I I think that the eight is uh, my main uh, fancy in this spot. But I I thought between those three, you'd have it between them. I wrote it up as eight seven on the a line with i just put the five in there as a c even um you know i think the horse was uh was flattered last time frankly what, what did you think of race number seven yeah you, you mentioned every every horse uh that i'm going to use except one i thought there was a little sneaky one in here i thought number six kimmer at uh 20 to one on the morning line had a had a huge chance in here uh he doesn't look all that much different than uh you know gypsy king or tiger hunt to me uh, I think this horse figures to run a big race, cutting back from a mile, was racing against starter foes. You know, these are conditional claimers. It's a, it's a big difference, you know, even though they're, uh, you know, non-winners of three lifetime, it's still, there's conditional claimers. Uh, plus, if you look at this horse's last win, it came on this course, it came at this distance while facing conditional claimers. Cleared his N2L hurdle, doing the same exact thing. So I thought 20 to one just seemed like a ridiculous price, uh, you know, in a horse in a field with very unreliable horses, um, you know, where you, you said if Gypsy King and the Bullion Bomber go and cancel each other out, you know, why can't Kimmer come running on late? Uh, even Tiger Han with that tactical speed, he'll be up there probably stalking three wide. Why can't Kimmer Han just sit, uh, uh, Kimmer sit off the pace and just, uh, you know, explode late to, to take them all down? Um, I, I thought that horse was a very, very sneaky, uh, sneaky horse in here at a big, big price. I mean, I really, really like uh, this horse's last race uh, at the 32 N2L level, uh, you know, doing exactly what he's supposed to be doing today. That's a compelling case for a long shot. How did you grade out those four runners? Um, I actually had um, Bullion Bomber, Kimmer, and Gypsy King as A's, and then I had Tiger Han as a B. Um, only because I've seen Tiger Han run so much, and and I think the horse is a, a little bit of a nibbler. Um, but you know, I think you make a perfect case. Second off the bench, you know, Detori takes the call. 
Uh, Glatt is doing everything right. I mean, talk about a guy who's just making all the right moves. Uh, my concern was I thought the horse might be, you know, three wide, and that's not exactly the trip I like to see, um, you know, in these turf sprints or in really in any turf race here in California. In Detroit, so I, I trust is my rebuttal. In Detroit, I trust is my rebuttal to all your your negative. It <laughs> makes complete sense, but I, I think he'll he'll be in the right spot, and I and, and he's the kind of one who I think can get a horse like this over those humps. But we shall see. Hope so. Yeah. You know, a little bit the same little Napo there, but I'm definitely going to be mixing in your very intriguing long shot. Who I'm going to make your top pick, the number six Kimmer. Race number eight, Calbred Allowance types, Phillies and mares, six furlongs on the dirt. Who do you like in here? Um, I thought you could. I thought it was a tricky race, but I, I felt okay with three horses to get out of it, and that was the one, the six, and the eight. I don't have to talk too much about the one and the eight. They're logical, five to two and three to one on the morning line. Uh, but I'll talk a little bit about the six uh, as a, as a sneaky one in here. Uh, that's number number six. Stay in line. Uh, she looks a little bit slow on paper and perhaps outclassed. Uh, you know, given the races she's been coming at, uh, you know, races that she has been running in. Uh, but here's a couple of things. First off, I like that Ellis bothered to take her out of a conditional claimer race. Um, you know, those aren't the, as we say, always oh, say, those aren't the best horses on the circuit, and they don't usually like to win. But Ellis saw something in this horse to take her out of an N2L. So, uh, and it was a good race. You know, she stalked the pace, drew off. She won by more than seven lengths. I mean, granted, she was supposed to win. She was 60 cents on the dollar, but she did what she was supposed to do. Now he protects her, which is always a sign of confidence. When a good trainer does that, claims a horse, and then runs the horse back, protected in the next start, moving up in class, that's a big, big angle for me. And then also, you know, I love, I, I know the Pereira just won with the horse, but I love any time you see a jockey ride back through a claim. Uh, especially for a trainer he rarely rides for. So I thought Stay in Line looked very, very interesting in here. And like I said, even though the figs look a little slow, you know, there's one race, that maiden breaker that sticks out like a sore thumb. That was a that was a pretty good, pretty good race at Del Mar back on November twenty-third. A repeat of that puts this one right in the frame with all the others, as far as I'm concerned. One six eight, the main numbers for Frank here in race number eight. Is that the order you'd put them in for the notes I'm gonna send around? Um, yes, because that's exactly how I wrote it down. So gotcha. <laughs> yeah, I think one's the best I, I think race. Huh? Oh, you go ahead. No, I was going to say, I think one is the best horse in the race and should run a, you know, should run a big one second off the bench. I think that was a prep last time. Clearly this horse has ability. They, you know, second in a grade two. And, uh, you know, they thought enough of this horse to run consistently in graded stakes races last year. So that's definitely the one to beat. And, you know, if that horse is seven to five on the tote, uh, you know, maybe I won't get too involved. Uh, but I, I just thought number six stay in line was was sneaky. And, you know, number eight is a what you see is what you get. Just a very, very honest horse. It's won this condition many times before, uh, you know, for the optional 20. Um, so but I, I like that one. I like that one least of the other two. Um, if I only had to use two, I'd go one six. I you're going to be accused of making the, the rock and roll hunch play here. But uh, I, I, in addition to uh, wish they all could be on the top line, who just looked like a, a must use on numbers, but I worried might be a little against the flow. I thought Elton sings another 
might be completely loose. And I don't mind a first time against winners in this kind of spot. So, so I, I put those two on top. I'll come back to you for your thoughts on Elton Sings another, just because it seems clear that uh, you did not like uh, that. You made the case on the one, which I, I can't disagree for some reason. Well, my, I think just because of pace dynamics, I, that, that was my original reason for having as a ba- a backup, another one that I think might be too slow, might be pace compromised, but the seven diamonds Danzig, I had on my list of horses to use mainly because I think this horse has just been the victim of multiple questionable rides and now switching back to Franco, who's gotten the best out of this horse. So I have it four, eight on the top line, seven, one on the back line, but what is it you don't like about Elton sings another? It's not that I don't like, I mean, all three of those horses that you mentioned, I have as, you know, a potential peas. Um, I haven't finalized what I want to do yet. Um, I don't know. I just, Horses who break their maiden loose on the lead, you know, just had several tries. I bet this horse many, many times before, and she just, I don't know. I just, I just don't think she's all that good. That being said, you know, the, you know, the light bulb goes off angle. Um, you know, they win a race, they get a taste for it. Um, I, you know, I know she has a lot of early speed, but I didn't think she'd have as easy a time as she did last time. Um, I thought a couple of others could could take it to her or at least make her work a little bit, you know, like the stay in line as tactical speed. Um, you know, uh, there was another one in here that I was just looking at, you know, Shanghai sunrise has some tactical speed. Um, so I didn't think Elton sings another was going to get, get it, uh, her own way. Like she did last time. Uh, she could win, but, um, I don't know. I, like I said, I think if, if the one shows up today, I think they're all running for second place. Um, but you know, my sneaky play in there is the six. All right, let's move on to the Friday nightcap before we pivot to the pick six on Saturday. Calbred allowance with a big full field uh, when it comes to this uh, late pick four on the Friday card. Frank, how are we going to get paid? We're going to get paid with a little bit of luck, I think, because this is a really tough race. Um, but that being said, there are there are several horses in here who uh, come out of a very similar, uh, come out of a common race, and uh, they're the same three horses I liked a couple of weeks ago. So. Um, my top pick is number one, Moogie Sun. Uh, I don't think there's any surprise there. I really liked this horse last time and he did everything but win. You know, had to break from the 11 hole. Uh, you know, Hernandez did a, did, did a really good job doing the best he could to give this horse uh, a winning ride, but, um, you know, came up just a little bit short, lost by a nose. Outside to inside, I mean, is there a better angle on the turf than that? Uh, so, you know, I really think that number one is the horse to beat. Uh, I think I think the horse will be shorter than four to one, even in this big full field. But still, that that's my top pick. Um, I think, of course, you have to consider Red Cross Knight, uh, another horse who comes out of that race who ran well, had to break from the ten hole. He was really compromised because he likes to go. Uh, he likes to be forwardly placed, and you know Maldonado tried to you know rate him a little bit because of that post and maybe get him over, but uh, it didn't work out. Horse still ran well, just kind of flattened out. Much better post today. I'm a little concerned, though. Know, there's going to be a fast pace in here. So I'm a little concerned that this horse might be a little too close uh, to a fast pace. But I think you have to consider him, uh, you know, just based on his body of work and, um, you know, that last race, which I think is pretty solid, finishing third behind uh, Moogie Sun with, with, you know, not the most optimum trip on the turf course, you know, stalking three, four wide. Uh, he should get a better trip today. 
like I said, he'll just have to avoid getting caught up in a in a quick pace. And then my sneaky horse is a, is, is a horse that I, I liked last time. It's the other Ed Mosher horse. Mosher's got the one Mugi Sun, and he's got this Mogollon Rim at 20 to 1. Uh, I, you know, I wish I can make a huge excuse for that last race. Uh, you know, it was 16 to 1 against a bunch of these same horses. Ran seventh, you know, kind of just kind of ran evenly. Wasn't wasn't the greatest race. I think there really is a world in which this is a better synth horse. But I feel like if this horse could recapture any one of those good synth races here on turf, this horse is just as good as the other ones. I mean, if you look at the form line, you'll see uh, he's beaten a couple of these before, has beaten Moogie Sun before, uh, who's going to be, you know, <laughs> much smaller a price. So I was willing to give this horse another shot. And then, uh, you know, if he was flat again on turf, then then I'd put him on my uh, you know, no bit, no bet list on turf, and and wait for him to go back up north to Southern California, uh, to Northern California on the synth. But that was my sneaky play, and those were the three horses I was going to use to get out of here. Uh, but you know, you could probably talk about three or four others, and you know, I wouldn't have a, a strong argument against them. This is a tough race. I had the same top two as you, so that that can be a good thing or a bad thing when in a, in a potentially open race when when we end up agreeing. I felt like Red Cross Knight just really isn't a, a spot to improve again. A progressive new four-year-old with speed. I don't think necessarily needs the lead. Well drawn. I thought it was a rough trip the last day and could reverse form with, with Moogie Sun. I still want Moogie Sun on tickets. You know, maybe he's one that's ready to be uh, put into that nibbler category at this point. <laughs> but once again, good draw, good trip expected. Fits on numbers and just beat my top pick. So one I'm going to want. You definitely convinced me on throwing in the seven in some combinations as well. That definitely a good case for a horse, but I think we'll be very close. If not all of that, uh, of that big morning line on the Friday card. That brings us to uh, talking about Saturday. I'll throw out the, the mention that I'm going to be the guest of Tom Quigley, which will be a lot of fun. Uh, when was the last time you did that show? I know you're a regular. I did it uh, uh, probably around this time. No, maybe April of last year. And Pete, you have big shoes to fill, man. I had I basically swept the card. It was ridiculous. I had one of those days that you just catch lightning in a bottle, and uh, everything everything you say makes you look like a genius. And the horses did what I wanted them to do. Uh, you know, I ended up winning a tournament that day. Uh, oh, and uh, you know, had so many people come up to me and say, "Oh yeah, I just played all your top picks in a pick five. You know, it cost me sixteen bucks oh. and." Hit it for three thousand, you know. So it was just—it was one of those really, really good days. But I—I I always say you're only as good as your host, right? So uh, you know, quickly, quickly, like yourself, does such a great job, um, you know, hosting the seminars. And uh, I'm looking forward. I'm going to watch. I'm so bummed I can't be there. I had made plans to be out of town uh, several months before I knew you were coming to Santa Anita. But you know, I will definitely be tuning in, and uh, I will praise you when you're right, and I will razz you when you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> that's how you do it that's how it's done yeah unfortunately this was a lot i mean not unfortunately i mean it was a last minute attempt to get out there you know probably would have made sense to try to go next weekend for you know derby prep action etc cetera, etc cetera. but the schedule did not allow so uh sadly we'll be ships in the night this time around but planning on multiple other california sojourns this year maybe getting to del mar twice had so much fun getting to del mar summer meet for the first time in many years last year I may bracket it. I may be out there for opening weekend and for Pacific Classic. Pacific Classic, one of the races, one of the only races in North America that I've that I have not 
made uh, that is on the that is on the bucket list. I haven't ever done opening day Santa Anita. That'll happen some year, but uh, this year I think I'm going to get to cross Pacific Classic off the list, which I'm pumped about. All right, that would let's be get awesome. Back. I, I didn't realize you had never made it out here for that, so that'll be fun. No, never done. You know, because of the Saratoga conflict. Sure. I mean, the only last year was the first opening day that 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 I had done because work called, and especially with Breeders' Cup being out in Del Mar, it makes sense to spend a little extra time there this year. Let's go through this pick six at Sar- Saratoga. I almost said Del Mar. Then I started to say Saratoga. Santa Anita, the great race place, the place where I'm basically supposed to be heading on a plane for right now. Race number five is where the pick six kicks off, 5.30 Eastern, the scheduled post time, one mile allowance race on the turf. Frank, how do you want to light this candle? Yeah, you know, obviously I always look long and hard at any field motto turf horse uh, out here in California. He's got two in here. And I thought it was interesting that both of them are entered for the 80K tag. Okay, number one, Kathkin Peak has to be entered for the tag because this is a, a class horse who, you know, has already cleared the, the second level condition. Uh, but number two, Silver Surfer doesn't have to be entered for the tag. He is eligible for the second level allowance condition. And, you know, the reason I bring that up is because I just want to mention a real, an old school angle that you hardly see these days, but is still very applicable. When you see a trainer, do something like this with Silver Surfer. Running for the tag, even though the horse fits the allowance condition, a lot of times they try to get a win while the horse is in for the tag, knowing that no one's going to claim them for 80, so then they can come back and run in an N2X again. So they kind of preserve their condition. So I just thought that was really interesting. So of those two horses, um, I was going to take Silver Surfer um, as an A of the D'Amato horses. Obviously, Kath can peak. On his best day, he he should beat these, but you know he's seems like he's a little bit in the twilight of his career, and you know maybe not as um, you know as as strong as he once was. So Silver Surfer is a, is an A for me. Catherine Peak will be a B. But let me talk. It's really all a preamble to talk about my top pick, and that's number three, Great King. Uh, I thought this horse. Uh, I think this horse is sitting on a big effort. Third start of the form cycle. I know the horse never really threatened in the Thunder Road. But nobody did. Goliad opened up by a million and just never stopped. Uh, made a mockery of the field. But if you look at the internal fractions, you'll see that Great King came home in very, very fast time. You know, that's what I'm always looking for in turf races. In fact, that race, he came home faster than his previous race when he finished second to Goliad uh, at this very same level. So um, I just think that last race is really dirty. I think a lot of people ignore it, even though it is a stakes race. Um, it just looks bad on paper. Uh, so I, I was expecting Great King to run a big one. I love that the Tory sticks around. And uh, so Silver Surfer is an A. Great King is an A as my top pick. And then um, I think you have to consider Kings River Knight, the five horse, um, because he's going to trip out. He's either going to make an easy lead or he's going to sit right off Silver Surfer. So, you know, maybe those two could just basically run one, two around the track. So, um, uh, I was going to use three to get out of that race. Um, if I only used two, I would use Silver Surfer and Great King. Uh, but I do think King's River, River Knight uh, has to be included. And then, as I said, I'll use Kathkin Peak as a B, but I really kind of want to try and beat him today. We are similar in this spot, I uh, but but different order. I like King's River Knight the best, and it's all about the trip that I see. I think the two will go to the front. 
Um, I'm not sure what's going to happen when when they when they hit the turn with Silver Surfer. You're more uh, excited about his chances than than, than I am. I, I was worried that it would be the kind of thing where Kings River Knight could take him when he when he wanted. And there was a very interesting note in the form about Kings River Knight, just in terms of the why he's in this race. The answer being because the state bred stake he was meant to run in got canceled because of a lack of entries. That's a little depressing. But anyway, yeah. I thought the Kings River Knight is probably the best horse on on form and figures. I, di- I was going to leave in Kathkin Peak as an A, old class horse, just plenty of races, good enough to win this and and to be you know competitive with, with the top one. I do worry about Kathkin Peak getting a little too far back. And obviously it's hard to have too much confidence in for the tag off this layoff, but it does make sense. It's a very sensible spot. And at the end of the day, I decided he was just too obvious an alternative to ignore. One that you didn't mention that I was going to throw in there on the B line, along with Great King, who I may upgrade to an A on your say-so. But uh, the, the, the horse that we didn't talk about yet, Carmelita's man, has beaten Kings River Knight in the past, got within a length last time, and I didn't think had the very easy trip the last day. This one could reverse form if getting the best of the trips, which... If um, Silver Surfer runs a really big one, maybe Kings River Knight gets stretched there and, and maybe it sets up for a closer like Carmelita's man and, and or Greg King, who I definitely did also want to have on side. Um, very notable to me that uh, the Tory sticks around in that spot and another one who should be in a pretty good place trip wise. So, yeah, five, one on the top line, six, three on the back line for me. I wrote you down three, two, five with the one as a backup as we get this uh, pick six kicked off and we uh, move it along to leg B of this pick six Um, race. Number six, my computer is being extremely slow and taking too long to load. It is a maiden special weight um, for four and five year olds. We're going seven furlongs on the dirt in this one. And uh, my top pick is the obvious horse. Number six, Vegas burner, I think is finally in the right spot to win the maiden. Two back gave the very promising Judge Miller, who we'll get to a little bit later in the show, all he could handle. Last time ran absolutely huge after missing the break and finding himself hopelessly out of position. A lot of people are going to say, do you really want to rely on a 12-start maiden with four seconds? But I honestly wouldn't worry much about that form. Most of it was on grass. The horse has clearly improved, picking up the services of the Tory with a significant figure edge. Uh, this is my lone A in this spot. In terms of Bs, the horse the Tory rode, Last time, appreciate today. Makes sense. Just made a promising debut. There's a world in which this horse could shake loose early, I thought was the main alternative. And then I felt like we should at least talk about number one, Theisman. Million dollar baby, trained by John Sheriffs with Fast Works. When you see Sheriff, Sheriffs have one with Fast Works early, they're typically doing it on their talent. This one's price tag also suggests that that talent is abundant with this one. Quality Road, the sire, has great stats. First out. Look, ultimately, I think this horse probably needs more distance and or turf to show his best, but I probably will have to use on a small backup somewhere, number one, Theisman. Um, Those were the three I wanted, sort of 1A, 1B, and 1C. What do you think about race number six? Yeah, I I, I don't really have much to add except the fact that I'm also, uh, in addition to Vegas Burner as an A, I'm going to use Appreciate today as an A. Um, I just think I, I, I thought that race was pretty good for a first-time starter. Uh, I don't think the horse was fully cranked. You know, it was a Peter Miller firster going off at 9-1. to one. I think everybody thought that horse needed a race, and it kind of looked like uh, it looked like he did. So uh, I think he's going to move forward big time today. And, yeah, I, you know, everything you, said, everything you said about Vegas Burner, you know, he's been an absolute money burner. 
But, you know, you can make excuses for some of his races. And, uh, you know, like you said, that Judge Miller defeat two back, uh, you know, if Judge Miller's not in that race, uh, you know, this horse wins easy. So, uh, yeah. yeah, you have to use Vegas. Runner. And just, you know, poor, poor George Papa Padromo. You know, you could look at his 6% and say he's having a terrible meet. But I mean, he's got 17 <laughs> combined seconds and thirds. So he's been a little unlucky, um, much as Vegas Burner has been unlucky. So uh, today could be the day where that all changes. And uh, again, I will use seven. Appreciate today. That was it. I wasn't going to go anywhere else. Um, you know, just kind of plant a flag with those two and, you know, Hope that I'm right, that Theismann is probably going to need one and need longer and take a little time to, uh, you know, with a patient trainer, have this horse stretch out next time, you know, cost 1.1 million. So there are big expectations here. And I know it's a CRK stable horse, so I guarantee you this is a big, long striding, big, long striding horse. You know, they, they have a, all of their horses have a certain look to them. So I'm expecting this one to be, be nice, but down the road. So yeah, six seven for me, and that's it. Let's move on to the graded stake on the Saturday card, the Santa Ana Phillies and Mares four and up, going a mile and a quarter on the turf. And Frank, we'll keep it with you. Yeah, you know, like I said, always look at the Nomados. He's got three of them in here, and I have to think uh, one of them is going to be on rabbit duties uh, to kind of soften things up for the favorite, well, presumptive favorite, Linda's Gift, who. Uh, has done nothing wrong, but you know she likes to be she likes to be alone on the lead, and you know and and when she is, she's very very tough to beat, as D'Amato knows because his musical rhapsody has finished, uh, you know second to this horse, twice before because the horse has had no pace to run at. So I think it's going to be team tactics today. Um, I think Linda's gift, while she is a very talented horse, I think she's going to have to really earn it. So I was going to use her as a B, and then I was going to come up with a couple of others for my A-line. Uh, the aforementioned Musical Rhapsody said Linda's gift per- personal whipping girl of late. But I think if, uh, if Leisure Wear can keep, can keep Linda's gift honest, uh, I think Musical Rhapsody could finally turn the tables on her, her, her nemesis. And then, uh, you know, I was going to look at number five, Kinjani. I know the, you know, the speed figure doesn't look fast enough if you believe in paper numbers. Uh, but I think this four-year-old has a lot of talent. I just love the way this horse finished up last time. I love the way this horse took money, uh, you know, first time in the States uh, for a trainer who's had a lot of success with imports, uh, you know, the last two years. Yes, I know it was a perfect setup. It was a really fast pace to flatter her late run, and she was only beating allowance foes. But I just really like the way she did it. and. Um, you know, I, I think there's class here, and I think this one could easily move forward and be competitive today. And then the wise guy play, um, you know, maybe not. I haven't seen the morning line yet, uh, the morning lines yet. But um, I thought number eight, your want here or your one there. I'm not quite sure how to pronounce it. Um, I think that horse has a big shot. She has really, really good come home times. So, um, you know, if Leisure Wear takes it to Linda's gift, uh, you can expect this one to be flying late. I know she came up short twice in graded events before, but those races were at shorter distances. She gets she gets added ground today, and the way she finishes up races, I have to think that she's going to, uh, you know, go, going to love uh, going this distance. So um, I thought she could be a little sneaky in here, 
but this is a really cool race. You know, I, I think there, these are really talented ladies and uh, a lot of it's just going to be about how the race, the race shape uh, ends up. Three, five, eight, I wrote down. No sixes at all for you? Six is a B. Okay, great. And and just list those four? Yeah, that's it. Three, five, eight as the oh, A's. Six is a B. Always makes me nervous when I have a, a horse that I really like that you don't even mention. Uh, and that's the case with number one, Queen's Command. And, and maybe it's the distance that's uh, why you didn't uh, you didn't mention her. Because it is an open question, even just digging through this pedigree. But I just really liked how she finished up in her U.S. debut at a mile. I, I thought without the benefit of a particular setup that day. And that race was off a 436-day layoff. So yeah. had every right to be rusty. That rush should be off now. I also suspect the published figure from that run was low. Four of the five who came back to run improved their figures by at least five points on the buyer scale. I thought we'd get a great trip from the cozy draw. And I think, as you were noting, there's probably just enough speed to set this up for a closer, as I do think that the the two will be able to keep the six honest and, uh, and, and maybe set this up for a runner like Queen's Command. I was going to leave Linda's gift in the mix. It just looked like an obvious win candidate going for the three-peat. I worried opposite question about the distance. I thought the 10 furlongs might be a bit sharp for her, especially in a race that presumptively has a rabbit in it. Um, you know, the best work has come dominating on the front end. I don't think that's going to happen here. Still. I did think it was likely she'd prove the best of speed and I wanted to use. And I, I was with you on your angles on, uh, on Kinjani. I wanted the five as a, as a backup in this spot. And I don't mind the eight as a backup. That's two sharp people. You and uh, Nick Tamaro both mentioned that one to me as one who uh, might be able to, to, to finish up well and get involved. But before we hit race eight, what are your thoughts on Queens command? Yeah. I mean, Queens command looks a lot like my top pick. Well, you know, one of my top picks Kinjani, except the fact that, yeah, if you look at the overseas form, this form, you know, has been kept, was, was, this horse was kept at the shorter distances. So that concerned me a little bit. And then the other thing, um, I'm taking a slightly opposite approach of yours. Um, whenever I see a horse come off that long of a layoff and run a really good race, um, especially getting Lasix for the first time, now coming off Lasix, I'm a little skeptical. That's all. I, you yeah. know, I, I always see like a little bit of a regression and then the next start, they're back to their good form. Uh, but, you know, D'Amato's, He's no dummy. I mean, the horse must be doing well if he's entering her here off just an allowance win. So uh, it wouldn't shock me if this one won. Um, you know, I looked at all the D'Amato's long and hard, and I had to make some decisions. Um, so that was it. It was really, like you mentioned, a little bit of a distance concern. And then uh, I thought maybe I'd see a little regression before another step forward today. Let's talk about race number eight, an allowance race on the dirt going one mile. Going to be a huge favorite in here, who we started to talk about a little bit earlier in the form of number four, Judge Miller, going long for the first time on his blood. That's supposed to be a good thing. This is Clarier's little brother. Yes. Uh, horse has been brought along slowly and looks like a, a future stakes winner. Uh, appears to be returning well for the return to the races. I, I, I'm not sure I need too much more than Judge Miller in race number eight. Am I oversimplifying it? No, that's funny, Pete. You say, <laughs> this is the type of horse that I typically love to try to beat, right? A recent maiden yeah. breaker, big figure, sprinting, now stretching out for the first time against winners. But, um, you know, you have to take a stand somewhere in the sequence. And I thought this was this was a pretty underwhelming allowance field going up against a runner who – clearly has some ability, you know, it was bet to favoritism in both the starts. 
especially in the debut. And Glatt doesn't, you know, Glatt doesn't often have them fully cranked. So uh, people people like this horse from the jump. Uh, and then that, that last race was really, really good at seven furlongs. As you mentioned, the, the class and the bloodlines is undeniable. And uh, yeah, I mean, this horse should love, love you know, love going longer. So, um, you know, I, I had a hard time looking beyond looking beyond this cult. Um, I was going to single and, you know, get out of here and live to fight another day. I have one other I'll mention, if a price. We are doing this pre-morning line, so I, I don't know what. I, this horse has stakes for him, so could get bet. But if the one none above yeah. the law was a decent price, probably more for underneath. But this was a horse that I just thought I could tell you a story about why he might be overpriced. And basically, it's that I think that both the trips in the both recent dirt races were really rough. And this horse has some decent numbers. Could be poised for a forward move in the second start of the year. Just one I wanted to mention again, more for an underneath hookup, but a potential alternative if going to be a decent price. I just have, I mean, what, what's your guess on how they're going to bet none above the law? Oh, I mean, Judge Miller is going to be three to five, right? I mean, they're going to bet that horse yeah. off the board. I think none above the law will be a perfectly fine price. Um, you know, that was the other one I was looking at, you know, and, and, and maybe I will use that horse as a B just because, you know, like you said, I mean, this is a, this is a cowbred who has, really, really good form against really good horses. And the thing is, you know, there's a world in which there's a very, very hot pace and this horse could just kind of sit off, save ground and, and come running on late. So uh, it would not shock me at all if that horse ran really well today. Um, I just think, you know, just from a, from a, you know, ticket construction, construction point of view, I figured I needed to, you know, plant a flag somewhere with, you know, with a single A and, and that's why I came up with judge Miller, but I wouldn't fault anybody for using using the one on some of their tickets. Yeah, I mean, it's just going to depend on how they bet. I mean, I, I agree. There's no doubt about what Judge Miller is going to be. The question is, is none of law going to be an unappealing 5-2, to two, or is it going to be a backable 4-1? to one? And I honestly have no idea how they're going to bet this race outside of the outside of the favorite. So we will wait, and uh, I'll probably have as you know one backup line in the picks, but then you know, we, just because we talk about these as pick five and pick six sequences doesn't mean we're limited to playing them in those options. So uh, depending on uh, how it all shakes out, may end up using in another pool, maybe uh, some sort of pick going forward as we look to close out this card, that late pick three, for example, which will continue with race number nine. We've got an allowance race uh, and we're heading down the hill. Glad to get uh, some downhill racing in earlier in the week when i saw the weather forecast i was wasn't sure if we were going to uh, knock knock looks like things are going to cooperate and we get this interesting looking downhill race where i really like number five virat best this horse has some good runs on the downhill newly turned five-year-old ran his best race ever under detori last time with the tory up once again i think this horse could move up again in the third race of the form cycle with plenty of time between races and i thought we'd get a very good trip from the second flight the seven grazed also a downhill winner uh this one coming off a career top figure had the speed to lead them and i thought comes out of a, a good looking race a stronger allowance race uh, on paper i thought with a fast pace i wanted the five and seven as a's i thought the six and the nine made sense as potential savers backups but uh i definitely like Verat best in race number nine how do you see it yeah, we see it very similar. Um, you know, whenever I look at these downhill races, I always start from the outside and go in. Uh, so I look for my contenders out there, especially if they have 
tactical speed on the outside. So I thought number nine, Catalina Eddie. Um, I know this Calbred has faltered twice at this open level, uh, but I can forgive that the one downhill try uh, looked like he needed the race off a layoff, uh, but I love that he got the downhill experience. Um, uh, I still thought he ran well in that race. And then I feel like last time in a route was just really a pretty good conditioning race for the cutback today. It's tactical. It's going to get a great trip. Uh, so he, you know, he's, a, he's an A for me. I know you have him as a B. Uh, seven grays, again, an A, another Calbred. Took a while to figure things out, but once he did, reeled off three wins in a row, including one down the hill. Can't underestimate the importance of downhill experience. Um, you know, as, as, as we all know, it's a completely different animal. Some horses love it. Some horses are confused by it. Um, so experience down the hill is important. So that, that, that one race down the hill, that victory is, 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 is an upgrade for me. I like that he has tactical speed as well. Good post. Uh, I expect a solid performance from him. And yeah, to your point, number five, Arat, talk about a horse who's in excellent form. Uh, since Blacker took over this horse, this horse has done nothing wrong. I tried to beat him last time. You know, I thought maybe his, um, you know, his November, uh, November 2nd race was, uh, you know, a little flattered or whatever, but uh, now he laughed in my face and he absolutely romped uh, granted against starter foes. So not nearly as good, but uh, this horse is in very, very good form. And uh, I, as you said, Pete, good tactical speed should get a great forwardly placed trip. Those were the three for me. All right, there you go. So uh, we will move on to the, the last race that we have on this card, which is our nightcap. $25,000 claimer, six and a half on the main oval this yeah. time. We're going to use to close things out. Uh, this is a tough race. I mean, I, I have <laughs> I have four potential A's, and then I got a bunch of B's too. I'm going to have to do some, some really, really uh, <laughs> deeper work and narrow this down because I, I don't think I'll be able to afford a ticket with all these contenders. But uh, I'll just run through who I'm considering as my A's and uh, in no particular order. Number two, Johnny Drama. Just broke the maiden for 50. See if he can make it two in a row while facing winners for the first time. I think he can. He's got good tactical speed. He was game in victory last time. Lightly raced four-year-old with still more to give. I actually wouldn't be surprised if someone claimed this horse today. Um, so I, I thought Johnny Drama had a shot to come back and win uh, after just breaking the maiden. Number three, Mars on fire. Starter foes have been too tough for him. This is pretty significant class relief. Uh, and note that two back, this horse finished up very strongly to just miss against starter allowance types at Del Mar. He's coming on late. I know his Santa Anita races haven't been nearly as good, but he had wide stalking trips in those races. So uh, I like the fact that he's now in the three hole and get, can get more of a, you know, covered up ground saving trip instead of stalking wide on the turf. Uh, so that was a strong contender for me. Number seven, American Cat. Wheels back in seven days. I, I like that. Wheels back in seven days after prepping at Los Al. Uh, I can see him being very, very sharp today. I know his turf form isn't very pretty, uh, but you can't uh, ignore the fact that this horse will be in a very good forwardly placed spot turning for home. And to me, that's half the battle uh, in turf sprints, even on the, you know, even in the, in, in, the, in the longer ones, not just in five furlongs, obviously, but even in these longer ones on the main track. And then the other horse I was considering was number nine, National Genereux. Makes his first start for Papa Pedromo. Took him for 25K last time. This trainer's pretty selective and successful with his new acquisitions. So, um, 
you know, I, I thought that horse was interesting. Runs him back at the same level after a good route race, um, you know, cuts him back. So I think the horse will be fit. I think this horse will be finishing up really strongly today. So I had a really hard time uh, narrowing it down. Those are the four that I'm really considering. But I think if I had to pick uh, pick just one, you know, like a top pick, I think it would be number three, Mars on Fire. I think that horse looks sneaky in here. Interesting. I'll take a longer look. I, I had more clarity or at least initial clarity than you with Johnny drama. I just thought I had the look of a short price winner who'd get a great forward trip. And at this level, I love recent maiden winners as they have a lot more upside than proven losers you find in these spots. I also thought that last time the race was probably a little bit better than it looked uh, as the pace was fast for the level and the other speeds that that one dueled with ended up last and third last. And one of them was even bad. I, I, I was, Thinking Johnny Drama made a lot of sense in this spot. I definitely um, took your points about the, the nine runner and and had that one that uh, had that one national uh, that's national general right yeah. that uh, I had listed as a B and one that you didn't mention that I, that I thought made a little bit of sense on numbers and was worth mentioning was the one worse read Sanchez a, a horse who, you know, <laughs> this is sort of the poster boy for uh, the hat is chances just one for 24 <laughs> lifetime, but second start in the new barn, uh, getting the class relief. I, I, I was thinking I might give a give a chance from that uh, from that inside draw as a horse. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, Pete, I, I picked that horse last time against better horses, so you're not too crazy. The only thing that um, that threw me off was the inside post, but uh, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if if that horse finally broke through today. Yeah, I I don't mind for a horse like that that's devoid of early speed. I don't yeah. mind the rail going the six and a half. Sure, you know? sure. Um, so I, I, I don't hate it. Like I do, uh, I don't hate it. Like I do down the hill, you know, in a big full field, let's put it, let's put it that way. So yeah. we'll, we'll see how it shakes out for further thoughts from Frank, go read the column, which you can access at santanita.com. Or I assume you link on frankscatoni.com daily to your Santanita analysis. I'm sorry, Pete, you broke up a little bit. Is it right that you can also find your work over at frankscatoni.com or is it best just to go to the Antonita website? Yeah, I mean, if you want to get an overview of everything that I'm doing, pop over to frankscatoni.com. I've got links to everything that's going on. Um, If you're on the Santa Anita page or have the the, the app, the Santa Anita app, yeah, if you go to the expert uh, selections, you'll see see my my ugly mug and you can click on that and get my (laughs) pick four analysis, including the golden hour pick four, which – if you're not playing that, you should be. It's one of the best bets in racing. Uh, play it while it lasts. It's a dollar low takeout uh, pick four wager with races from Golden Gate. And uh, those Golden Gate races are often very, very competitive. So uh, I've had some good success there. And, um, yeah, that's that's where you can find me. And and, and on these airwaves, when, when invited. So I'm always, I'm always appreciative uh, when I get the call from the bullpen, Pete. So thanks for having me. You're always invited. Open, open invite. And on that same San Pedro page, you can find Dean Kepler's excellent analysis as well. We're overdue to have Dean back on here. Frank, we're out of time. I have a plane to catch, quite literally, but uh, wonderful having you. Great analysis as ever. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. That's going to do it for this edition of the show. I'd like to thank Frank one more time. We'll thank Nick Tamro. Remind folks that we have lots of bonus coverage on the In the Money Plus side this week. Michael Adolfson on the Saudi Cup card. Clay Sanders on Oaklawn. In the Money Podcast.com slash plus to learn more about that. We'll thank our charity partner, our new charity partner, Therapeutic Horses of Saratoga. Learn more about the work that they do and uh, Kim Weir's new 
uh, place in the world over uh, the easiest way to find it is in the slash horses. We'll thank our other founder or our proper founding partner at this point, 10 strike racing. You know how around here, we always love to root for the purple and black, but most of all, thanks to all of you, the listeners for making these shows so much fun to do. If you want to help us out, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, check out our YouTube channel. we got some content over there, a rebel stakes preview with a comment contest, etc. Rate, review, subscribe, do all those fun things. Uh, an easy and free way that you can help us out. This show's been a production of In the Money Media. I'm Peter Thomas Fornatel. May you win all your photos. <laughs>